This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by the following. On the energetic anthem, All the Way, legendless Ishan Burgundy and producer Kardec drums to inspire believers in Christ to go the full distance in life and faith. All the Way has an anthem-style vibe to move us forward during these tough times and to tell us we all can make it. Stream and share All the Way on your favorite platform today and follow Legend and Ishan Burgundy on all the socials. See, we the new normal, forget what you heard of, whatever you hearing. Please know the difference between what is true and what is your feelings. We've been here, listen, all the way. sound you are about to hear is uh, nothing it's 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 me saying welcome yeah that's that's the next sound you're about to hear (laughs) you you had you had me like very excited i was on the edge of my seat i was i thought there was going to be something i wasn't even aware of coming up and then total letdown you know i live to do stuff like that sometimes like you know the crescendo (laughs) yeah just for the for the pop that's it. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm, I'm coming with them. You know, I'm doing my research though. Really am. Uh, I'm trying to find other, other beginnings uh, besides welcome, welcome, welcome. Anyway, uh, ladies and gents, what's good? Welcome to the latest episode of Eye to Eye, short for Inspire to Inspire, the podcast that's all about being open, honest, and real, having conversations about life and faith. And as you know, we are definitely willing to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. And uh, my name is Jordan. And my name is Devin. And Justice is here in spirit this evening. We will document that just in case she comes next week um, ready to say that she prayed. And, uh, well, we'll stop. Never mind. I was just tricking that from the record books. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need her to kill me. She's, she's much mightier than I. Uh, mm-hmm. just just a thought process. And so much so I was nervous and, and I just cleared my throat. Uh, but uh, we are uh, glad, ladies and gentlemen, to be rocking with y'all once again. And on tonight, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun having conversations about things that, um, I don't know, if some of them are deemably fun. Uh, probably not. <laughs> uh, but, you know, again. We'll try to make you know, them so, fun. You know, you're right. You're right. And that, that's that's what's involved in being willing to boldly go. Eventually, some of the stuff just becomes laughable. But uh, neither here nor there. You know, perfect example, um, Devin. Well, first of all, how are you doing? Even though I know I shouldn't ask that question anymore. No, you know what? I was thinking about that earlier today. I was like, we're going to record. And Jordan's going to ask me how I'm doing. And instead of, you know, complaining about the same old things, I wanted to bring some positivity. And today, I'm I'm happy. The Lakers are the number one seed in the West. Ooh, uh, yeah. You know, they haven't looked great, but that's okay. It's to be expected, you know. Ooh, no. When you, when you get to this point in the season and you kind of lock things up, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But last night was a big win. 
it's been a lot of fun because uh, my son Ty has been really enjoying watching games. So finally at that age where he's actually watching games with me. Because in the past, I'd try to get him to, and he'd watch for like one minute, and be, he'd be bored. And now he's like, Dad, are the Lakers playing tonight? Dad, are they playing tonight? So we put on the game from last night, and he watched the second, third, and fourth quarter with me. And when Kuzma hit the three to win, uh, that kid celebrated harder than I've ever celebrated. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's been fun. And then he also gets very frustrated. Jordan, I think I told you earlier, that when they were playing against the Rockets, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he goes, and he's watching the game for a little bit, and I just keep hearing him yell from the other room, you got to be kidding me. Oh, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. And he just yelled that like every time the Rockets scored, and I come back in the room, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, settle down, buddy. What's wrong? And he goes, every time the Lakers score, they score two points. But every time the Rockets score, it's three points. <laughs> and, yeah. like, and I go, yeah, yeah, son, that's, uh, that's how they play. <laughs> Yeah, my man's got a lot to learn, but um, I'm, I'm glad. I'm mm-hmm. very glad that, A, he is realizing Valda's life, um, and B, uh, that he does have testosterone. We're yeah. worried about that for about three he, seconds. He definitely has I was has afraid that. that it was reserved all for Bri. No. Uh, no. Ty <laughs> is, uh, Bri has uh, HGH, I think. He's got True. extra human growth hormone. Ty, though, has the testosterone. He is the one that is fiery and competitive I mean, he hates losing at anything, anything, and everything has to be just so, and he sets up rules and things have to be fair, and I mean, it's it's crazy. And when he doesn't win, he just has meltdowns. Um, so, no. you know, it, that's I want a competitive spirit, but I also want him to at least find a little bit of humility and, <laughs> and calm. <laughs> so Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's how I'm doing. And Mr. Jordan, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I am not a huge fan of talking about that. Uh, But you know what? I will because I don't believe in fully being a hypocrite. We all are, but whatever. Uh, Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Well, lean on me when you're not strong. Okay, let's let's not. (laughs) (sighs) You know, that's my jam, though. Seriously, like when I was coming up, there was a, a conference that I went to every year. Uh, shout out to any of my Yay Dappers if they're actually listening. Um, I'm going to tell you what, it was the goofiest, like craziest conference you could ever go to. It was the Youth Alcohol and Drug Abuse Prevention Project. Oh, wow. Conference. Yeah, leadership conference that they did at like Longwood University or Longwood College back in the day every summer. And one of the big things that we did, we did two huge things. First, we did a dance off called the Iggle Wiggle. You're not ready for that. No, uh, no, no I'm not. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, And then uh, the second thing was we had a dance that we did and they still do it to this day. I know they probably didn't do it this summer because of COVID, but um, that they did to the Lean On Me uh, song, not the the fast paced one, not. Okay. Not, not slow joint. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that means a lot when when you say that you didn't realize that, but it was cool. I appreciate you. But yeah, we uh, we did. uh, we, We had some good times with that really did i'm sorry just reflecting and reminiscing right now that's okay it's the good memories that help you through a tough week jordan can you wiggle can you jump back and giggle that's all you're gonna get um (laughs) this this sounds like dare but with youth pastors instead of police (laughs) no 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 no, no. okay let's just finish it out of saying i'm doing good okay that's just weird And I know uh, prior to the show, we were talking about what we were going to talk about today. And you had a new segment 
you were feeling left out because I have my, you know, uh, white folk wonder segment and I have my uh, movie minute, which I haven't done in a while, mainly because movies just aren't coming out. <laughs> They're not this releasing them anymore. Very true. Um, but I promise when they start to release movies again, uh, I'll have a movie minute again one day. Um, but Jordan was feeling left out and he came up with a new segment that he wanted to pitch. So Jordan, tell us about this segment. Yeah. Um, it's a segment that is a salute to people who are doing nonsense. Okay. Um, because it's just in my spirit and I got to get it out every now and again. <laughs> um, and so we have uh, lovingly deemed this segment um, in honor of the person, man or woman, Petty Eddie, or <laughs> I don't know. We, we struck a deal on Petty Betty, but I think I like Petty Patricia better just because of the flow. You oh, know what I'm saying? Okay. So Petty Eddie or, or Petty Patricia of the week? Yeah, Petty Patricia. You know, we just, we had the conversation about Karen last week and it doesn't even rhyme, but whatever. If you think that flows better, it's your segment. I will not judge. Okay, cool. <laughs> anyway, welcoming ourselves to uh, Petty Eddie of the week. Um, we'll start off with a lame joke. So, Devin, knock, knock. Uh, who's there? Yeah, we're just going to stop. It's not even worth the joke because I'm sure somebody's going to listen to this and be mad as all get out. <laughs> You're right. That was a terrible joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, if anybody's aware of what PPPs are, um, at the beginning of, of COVID, uh, Congress uh, put something in order called the PPP. It was the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, actually, really awesome um, opportunity for small businesses to keep their businesses open um, and actually keep their their people paid, which was dope. It, it had some backfire. I think we talked about that for about two seconds. Um, but yeah, there was a story that came out a couple of weeks ago about a man uh, who spent PPP funds on hotels, jewelry, and a $318,497 Lamborghini. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. that's the American way. <laughs> <sighs> You know, I want to say is it, but I don't think I can can argue with that. Anyway, yeah. So <laughs> it's going to be hard to <sighs> it's going to be hard to give me examples where where it's not. Uh, you know, I mean, it feels like a pastime where rich people are just really good at blowing government dollars, and nothing really happens to them. Did did something happen to this guy? <laughs> did he crash? Yeah, well, did he crash his Lambo, or did he actually get uh, you know penalized? Bro, well, anyway, the, the here was the bottom line. Um, he was charged, thankfully. Uh, with bank, raw, bank fraud for allegedly lying on PPP loan applications and spending the money on luxurious items such as those mentioned. Okay. And, you know, this was a $521 billion paycheck protection program that was destined for those small businesses. So, Mr. David Tyler Hines. And yeah, no, I know. We're, we're not shaming you. We're, you know, I believe that there's grace. You can be restored. There's reconciliation, redemption. You can pick all those words. But for now... <laughs> Um, not only did you file PPP applications, but then you spent that money on a Lamborghini, uh, luxury and personal items, including nearly $5,000 at Saks Fifth Ave, 11000 in two Miami area hotels, and 8500 plus at Graf Diamond, it's, uh, investigators say. So, you know, I just, um, I want to say that you get the Petty Eddie of the week, sir. And um, <laughs> just want to give you a salute for that because... I am pretty sure there are plenty of small business owners out there who love the fact that you have made this the atrocity and the show that you have. Well, I'm, I'm glad that he did get some comeuppance. Um, you know, I, I had a 
bit of a problem with the whole thing when it happened. Not that I didn't like the idea. I was perfectly fine with the idea, but the, the fact that who these dollars went to, you know, I mean, we know there was backlash against places like Ruth's Chris and places like Shake Shack and they ended up putting yeah. their money back. And it's like, those are not small businesses. I mean, we're talking about people who have to shut doors to their business, you know, if, if they basically aren't able to sustain uh, anything for, for a couple of months. You know, we're talking about people who mom and pop shops, people who are sole proprietors, not, not corporations that make millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, that was kind of my problem with it. So I'm glad to see that at least there is some watchdoginess, but at the same time, you know, this is basically like a, a tale of the bank robber, you know, spending money too quickly. <laughs> if, if he just waited a, a year, it probably doesn't happen. Um, so instead, it's just his own stupidity. Meanwhile, there's plenty of companies that probably didn't lose a penny or even made money and yet still took these dollars that we as taxpayers get to pay back. So I, I kind of feel like there should have been a little bit more as far as due diligence and, you know, record keeping on the back end and whatever you didn't spend or lose, you pay back. But, you know, I guess that would just be, uh, you know, wishful thinking that there's accountability to <laughs> money just being passed out to people. <laughs> it's, it's a head shaking moment for sure, especially when we look at that. And I just, I love the, um, I don't want to call it hypocrisy, but if we're going to call it spade a spade, uh, I saw a tweet from somebody that actually was addressing this topic specifically. And uh, there's no anecdotes about it. They just get straight to the point. It's like, what's considered trashy if you're poor, but classy if you're rich? Oh, and, I've seen uh, that. Somebody answered, getting money from the government. Uh -huh. And then somebody else also followed up with, and avoiding taxes. <laughs> you you know the other like, one that I saw? It was... What was that? <laughs> speaking two languages. Oh. <laughs> Which is like, oh my gosh, it's true though. Like, you know, especially, look, growing up in California, you know, when, when you're poor and you speak uh, Spanish and English, you know, it seems like, oh, of course. But if you're rich and well off and you speak Spanish and English, oh, you're so marketable. <laughs> hey, you know, didn't they call somebody in the Bush family poppy? They might have. Uh, I'm looking this up right now because I was kind of curious. This guy went and bought a Lamborghini for 300 grand, right? Uh, with yeah. that money. Meanwhile, all the Americans who somehow wrangled their whole $1,200, uh, they might be able to rent a Lambo for a day. So I'm looking up how much it costs. In some cities, it would cost $9.95 a day to $2,995 a day, I guess, depending on the one that you get. So... You know, hey, at least the average American would have been able to feel what that guy felt for one day with what they received. <laughs> and, you know, they would, and even when they did it, the one that they rented would probably still have the manual roll down. For yeah, the window. it's you no. Know, I mean, you figure for twelve hundred, if the high end is three grand, it's probably a crappy Lambo. <laughs> <sighs> that's funny, so, crappy Lambo. Yeah, it's an oxymoron of a statement. It is, but. You know, that's all that the good people of America could actually afford. Unlike this, this chap who, if he just waited six months, probably would have been just fine. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. So, yeah. Yeah. So again, Petty Eddie, congratulations, Tyler, my man. We are, we're praying for you, but <laughs> come on, bro. You win Petty Eddie of the week. 
Grief. I just, yeah. I, I can't even wrap my mind around it. Anyway, uh, what's going on, bro? Talk to me, man. What we got tonight? You know, there's just so many things going on. <laughs> this country is in a place right now. Um, you know, COVID certainly not helping that. Uh, one of the things that, in fact, we can uh, continue this this discussion on the COVID stuff is what's going on with the schools being reopened, uh, what's going on with the continued uh, discussions and uh, enlightenment that Fauci's trying to kind of give the people as somebody who's not only studied this stuff for, you know, 40 some odd years, but is, you know, very knowledgeable and, and scholarly. Um, you know, and I, I just think it's interesting right now what's going on is, you know, a lot of people are saying this stuff is being politicized and it shouldn't ever be politicized. But when we take a step back, it's like, okay, who's, who's doing the politicizing of it? Um, I'm, I'm seeing, I mean, certainly our, our current administration is doing a lot of the politicizing uh, because mm. they're, they're going against what their advisors are telling them. And, you know, the numbers kind of don't lie. You know, I'm a numbers guy and I look at this stuff and, you know, most recently I've seen a lot of people saying, well, the numbers really aren't that bad or it's only the elderly dying. Like, hold up. <laughs> First of all, saying it's only the elderly who are dying. Like, really? Because I seem to remember when Obamacare was being pushed through, we were up in arms about death panels that were going to just put the elderly to death. <laughs> but oh now, when it's a different administration, we have no problem with the elderly dying. Um, so, I mean, there's a little bit of hypocrisy in, in that, <laughs> that I'm finding. Um, but when, when we really look at the numbers, the, the numbers simply tell us what's really happening. Okay. Right. And, and yes, I understand that the percentage of people based on population who are dying is, is relatively small. That was the narrative that uh, our president was trying to push on the most recent interview that he did. But that number's not really helpful. The numbers that are helpful, like I always say, compared to what? Jordan, what do you think uh, percentage of population America has uh, compared to the world? Uh, last I looked, I thought it was like maybe 3 4%. Yep, that's right. It's about 4%. Okay. What do you think the percentage of worldwide COVID deaths have happened in America? Um, I'm going to say all of them. <laughs> well... <laughs> Uh, you'd be very close. No, it's uh, it's twenty two. It feels like it sometimes. It's, it's twenty two percent. Twenty two percent of the deaths have happened in a country that only has four percent of the population. N no matter how you want to do the numbers, that is is failure when you're looking at compared to what. When you're looking at countries like New Zealand, that uh, for a hundred days, I believe, had no cases. They ended up just getting one, and they're trying to figure out how because. I guess it was among people who hadn't traveled abroad, hadn't done anything, but they basically were able to get rid of it because there was a consistent and thorough message about social distancing, about quarantining, about wearing masks, about sanitizing, all of that stuff. And people just simply followed guidelines because they listened to people who knew more about it than they do. And they were able to avoid such dramatic things happening. When you look at countries like Japan or uh, South Korea, they may not have as large a population as we do, but guess what? They're vastly more densely populated, which means it's, it's even more likely that a spread would happen. Except I believe both countries have under a thousand deaths. Well, 
they're also substantially closer to the epicenter of where this thing originated. And mm -hmm. so they didn't even have as much time to prepare for it as we did here in the States. And yet the methods that they went through have limited the number of deaths. And, you know, so it, it's, it's not political, it's simply factual and it's data. And the people who like to come out and say, well, both sides are politicizing and one side's doing this and one side's doing that and people aren't listening. You know, I don't like to talk about ideology too much on this show, but I'm only really seeing one side get really nasty when it comes to things. Uh, for instance, uh, Fauci and his family are now receiving death threats. Well, I, I doubt that's coming from the side that is okay with wearing masks. Um, the Georgia teen who released a picture on the first day of school uh, got suspended momentarily, and they decided that that was a, a bad idea. Uh, she is now receiving death threats. Um, I haven't really heard of the other side receiving death threats. Um, I've also seen countless videos of people inside Walmarts or Costco's throwing displays down or having temper tantrums because they were forced to wear a mask. I'm really not seeing people who are simply happy to wear a mask going out and yelling at people who aren't. Uh, they, I think for the most part, they just try to avoid them. So, you know, when we just fence it, uh, it just kind of reminded me of the whole, you know, Christian thing of either be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. So if, you know, something that's true and something that's not ringing like a Christian <laughs> attitude, just because it's on a side that you might not align with, doesn't mean that you should just kind of say both sides are equally at fault here. And, you know, there's my rant and I guess I'll stop there. <laughs> I mean, that was a pretty mighty rant of yours, sir. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I felt some kind of way about this for quite some time as well. Just because from the biblical perspective, I know that many things are global, but a lot of Christian sects have issues with uh, kind of taking that and just polarizing it and putting it in their sect. Like, it makes no sense to me. As if you're Carrie... Um, in things like a, a flag, if, if it, like it carries some kind of comparability to, to the cross itself, and it doesn't, there's just no way. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, if we're if we're being 100 percent honest, um, our nation is a genius at doing that. I, I don't even need to pick a partisan side just to to be able to to make that distinction. Um, what I do know is. <sighs> Yep. Here we go. Okay. What I, what I do know <laughs> is um, we've spent a lot of time um, fear-mongering the mess out of this entire conversation. And that's the reason that we're here today. And we've been fear-mongering it from just about every side. I don't care who you are. Uh, and, and anybody can get as mad as me if they want to. Uh, but this is what I do. Uh, and and we'll gladly uh, take a stance in. It's just the fact that uh, we have had plenty of opportunities to sit up here and listen to potential voices of reason. We've had opportunities to really take the time and get in our word in this season where God has hit the reset button. We've had this conversation multiple times. Um, and some people have. And for that, their lives have actually been richly blessed. And some people haven't. And because of that, we 
have seen multiple individuals, groups, whatever the case may be, churches mm. succumb to um, in a non-manageable chaos and people buying into conspiracy theories and then people buying into Christian conspiracy theories. Um, those are my favorite because, of course, they're the ones that make Christianity look really, really good, uh, which is why <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, I'm virtually sick and tired of saying the word Christianity. I just, I can't because it's tied to my Christ, my Lord and Savior. Um, I've really just kind of stuck with the faith uh, and I'm and I'm just running with that one at the moment. Do they make Christianity look good? <laughs> That's debatable, <laughs> bro. I mean, we, you know, it's it's not even that. You know, we we get we could have that overall uh, topical conversation of of the understanding of evangelicalism or white evangelicalism or uh, fundamentalism or I just you know even nationalism. I I personally do not care because all of them are still tied to the cross mm-hmm. and that gives the cross a bad name. Well, and I, I had a thought that I shared. Actually, it's funny. I shared it with you like verbally first. And then I was like, you know, I, I guess I'll workshop that and I'll, I'll just post it as a little saying on Facebook. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, people who, who are wide variety of thinkers, you know, liked it. Um, but it was basically just saying that we have a worldview, but God has a view of the world. And I think what happens sometimes is here in America, when we deem ourselves the Christian nation, we think that the Bible's truth is only truth through our American lens. But that's, that's not it. It's truth throughout the world. And we have to really try to get away from tainting what it says or tainting the theology with our experience here in America and understand what it means more globally. And fortunately for Jordan and I, we actually had somebody on that we interviewed um, a couple months back now, and and we plan on releasing the episode in the next couple of months, who basically kind of goes through that. And he wrote a book called, uh, you know, is it Misinterpreting Scripture Through Western Eyes, I believe? Misreading. Yeah, misreading. misreading. Okay. And uh, super powerful stuff, and stuff that you just don't understand. And it reminded me, actually, a lot of this this racial divide that we've had that people have been kind of opening their eyes to and understanding some of the systemic things that are going on. There's systemic beliefs that are kind of just embedded in Christian minds here in the States that are very different than how the rest of the world interprets scripture. And we really have to be careful, I think, about how we interpret those things and really come back to what is the foundation of what scripture's telling us, not just what is the foundation that American scripture is telling us. <laughs> you said American scripture. Yeah, I know. Oh boy. Yeah. No, you had me thinking for a second because I was just looking back at Revelation 3 because you were talking about lukewarm, uh, which I agree with you 180%. Does that mean you just, you turned your back on me? Is that what that means? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Not, Not like 180 that. degrees. Okay, good. No, no, no. Uh, but no, it just reminded me of the rest of that passage, though. I regret to say that it really feels like um, a good portion of um, our nation's faith looks a lot like it. Uh, because, you know, we get past the point where it says, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it says, for you say, and it's this is, this is, this, this is us, not talking about NBC, uh, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And 
you know, that's that's the thing. I, you know, I've, I've had so many conversations with students uh, trying to help them to realize uh, that, you know, this side of eternity is literally just that. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, my encouragement to, to any believer especially um, is to recognize that this is the briefest stint of your entire life. You know, we all talk about death and view of death. And I think that so many people are afraid of death because they're, they're uncertain of the unknown that's on the other side of a physical death of the body that we have. And they don't recognize that the end of this is the beginning of the rest. And the rest is supposed, supposed to be so much better uh, than anything we're ever going to encounter here. But in order to get to that side, we, A, have to live this life in, in the sense of, of dealing with our call and our purpose. Uh, we have to be obedient to his word. We have to love his people. We have to keep his commands. We have to do all the things that um, the Bible guides and instructs us to do. And last I checked, a lot of the the, the words that come out of some of these believers' mouths, it, uh, it looks nothing like that. And it looks a lot more like what I just mentioned. It looks nothing like uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It looks a lot more like the arguing, the bickering, and everything else in Galatians 5 and 19. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm calling folk on the carpet because if we're, if we're having a very real conversation, um, and then especially in light of what you were talking about with that book, uh, Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes, mm -hmm. uh, we are missing the real collectivist movement. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll couch it in this, this one understanding and I will take this understanding to my grave. Um, you know, we, we're, we're talking about, uh, the, the sense of pride that America takes in its, in its faith in God. Um, but that's American faith and that's very much nationalism. And I will say this about anybody. I'll say this about the alt-right. I'll say it about the KKK. I'll say it about the Hebrew Israelites, the nation of Islam. Uh, we can have this conversation all day long. Don't even have to be faith in God. If your faith is a nation state, then you do not have a faith. Right. Because it's going to be wrapped up in something else. It, it won't just be true faith because it, it, Jesus didn't come to set up a nation. <laughs> Jesus came to set up a kingdom. <laughs> right. That's very different. Um, you know, a, a nation is finite. A kingdom is eternal. And so we can't just go around only having a nation mindset. And, you know, you brought up the, the conspiracy theories. And, and I think what's interesting about those things is uh, right now would be the perfect time for the devil to distract us, right? So right now is the perfect time for us to become awakened to things that are actually happening. You know, the systemic racism and, and these different things, these different injustices that are going on. So it was a perfect time for that. But it's also, I've noticed these things starting to ramp up that are becoming distractions. Mm -hmm. And where, you know, something that was kind of impressed upon my, my spirit the other day was the difference between, you know, what, what faith is really supposed to be and what I see in a lot of people in the church today. Faith is supposed to basically just fill in the gaps. The Bible is, is a, a, a history book. Uh, a guidebook, a textbook, like there, there are a lot of uh, true things that are listed in there. You know, some things are allegories, some things are not, but there's, there's genealogy, like there's so much information in there that helps you find ways, especially if you, you know, if you study it properly, or if you read commentaries or whatever, that you can actually come to a very 
logical and rational understanding of why Christians believe what they believe, who Christ was, all of those things. And then faith fills in those little gaps that, that might not be fully smoothed out. But what's happening today is people aren't using faith as kind of this, you know, this putty <laughs> that basically kind of keeps things filled in and smoothed out. They're using it to just build full-blown bridges. And they're going, well, here's where I am. And across this giant gorge is this weird thought that I see other people walking across this bridge of faith believing in, and I'm going to walk across this bridge of faith too. That's, that's not how faith is designed. Faith is supposed to get you that last couple percent. Uh, it, it's not supposed to get you the whole way. It's not, here's one, yeah. the Bible's 1% true, and then the rest of it's just faith. That's not how that works. And I'm seeing that more and more and more with people willing to believe stuff that has no foundation of truth, no foundation of consistency, uh, no foundation of, of rational uh, thought or logic. And they're just simply saying, well, I, you know, my faith is going to fill in this entire gorge. And that's not how it works. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. Um, I find myself frequently frustrated. Uh, just, and I try my best to, to not park it in the fact that one, I'm I'm a professor and I'm a hermeneutics professor at that. And I know I'm not perfect. I don't know everything about the Bible by any means, but trust, I'm trying. <laughs> uh, two, uh, I saw something today that reminded me that I'm a one on the Enneagram scale. Uh, and if you know anything about that, uh, yeah, I am, I'm one, I'm, I'm a stickler. I'm a real stickler. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you, if you hop off course a little bit, then, I, I myself personally want to reel you back in, uh, which is why I'm proud of me because I don't do that with a lot of people when I see it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do. In, in my frustration, I have kind of gotten to a point now where if nothing else, I'm just at least willing to voice um, a couple of things that I would rather just encourage people in. Um, like, for example, you know, we, I think we talked about it previously, like, maybe 50% of all Christians really believe everything that the Bible say, or at least they say that. Right. Um, and, you know, it, and I, I put something, as a matter of fact, I put it on Instagram and, and, and Facebook today um, talking about that. And of course it was ratchet because it came from the shade room. Uh, but, you know, God can use just about anything. Well, no, because it was talking about how um, it's, a, it's a, a picture of, I'm pretty sure it's Cookie Lion from Empire, but there's a little meme over it. That oh, says, so super uh, biblical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course not. Yeah, yeah, but it was talking about Jonah's wife, uh, hearing him explain why he hasn't been home in three days because he was swallowed by a fish. <laughs> yeah, sure you were. Exactly, you know, and you should see the face because yeah. that's exactly what. Why you know, do you smell I, so nasty? <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. you really would too. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it was um, the whale, honey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But no. But no, I said, you know, believing 100% of the Bible seems difficult at best, usually impossible, but its design isn't to be debated or dismissed, though wrestled, uh, wrestled with and struggled with um, or struggled through is a fitting description. You know, his thoughts and his ways, and by that just saying, you know, his thoughts are higher than ours, his ways are higher than ours. And ultimately, the one thing, uh, this one thing is to be comprehended. I can't read my own writing right now, but whatever. Uh, its design is to be obeyed. And then, of course, you know, I'm on this whole kick where I'm talking about do with this what you will. Um, 
And I, I really do feel like a lot of us are going to have to revisit that. And this is our revival moment and not the type of revival moment where people jumping up and down and shouting and screaming hallelujah and things of that nature. Glory <laughs> to God. Um, instead, this is a moment where people get to come back to God and recognize that maybe some of the things that they've been taught and maybe some of the things that they have experienced um, are a byproduct of, I'm going back to those words again, environmental absolutism. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the real conversation to be had in the United States of America today. It's going to suck because it means that a lot of people are going to have to break themselves of the conditioning that they have encountered, mm-hmm. especially concerning the faith. Yeah, It is going to be so difficult for somebody to have to realize that the God that they have been taught about, you know, the God that they'd known about since they were kids and I mean, this isn't just in 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 the Caucasian sphere. This 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 is in black communities as well, maybe oh, even Hispanic communities. Yeah, uh, but they're all going to realize um, that they need to debunk a myth. And if they're anything like a few of the people that we know about the debunked myths concerning systemic racism and the history of racism in America, it's going to break them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's what a lot of them, I believe, are afraid of. And you know what, I. I have no choice but to tell you I love you embrace that fear um, because you would rather be in a position knowing 100% or at least as much as, as, as humanly possible um, who our God is and all of his love and all of his grace and all of his truth. Um, and, and, and that's, that's I don't know, uh, I'm pretty sure that that is the, the war that is going to be waged real soon because... You know, as as sure as so many people swear to all that their truth is the truth and that they have the power and that they have the connectivity or whatever you want to call it, um, you can say that all you want to here. Eventually, you have to get to that other side, tying in all of my rabbit trailing. Um, <laughs> well, it, your rabbit trailing always makes me think. And, you know, the first thing I wanted to bring up was your discussion about you being, uh, what was it, a one on, on the what scale? <laughs> uh, any enneagram scale. okay enneagram. so so yes. basically you you are somewhat immovable on on things is that correct uh, it's not that i'm immovable i'm actually very very inspiring surprise um but if i'm depleted mm-hmm. if i have no energy if i'm tired if i'm worn if i'm frustrated then i can be a little rigid yeah okay yeah, for sure well i've actually found that to be helpful in our relationship because i'm a, i'm a little bit like um a dog in a yard who's tied to a tree and a, bo- a ball goes by and I just run for the ball and you're the tree. <laughs> and <laughs> so it helps me because, I mean, you're usually, you know, aside from my wife, you are probably the one of the top three people that I go to on a regular basis with to bounce things off of. Hey, Jordan, what do you, what do you think about this? Like, am I way off base here? And, and you have no problem telling me if I am and no problem telling me if I'm not. And that's, this is true. That is is something that, that I, I very much value because, uh, I do have a little self-awareness that (laughs) I can take an idea and run. Um, (laughs) but you know, the, the other thing that I like what you're saying is that the old saying, you know, ignorance is bliss. The problem is, is right now is that when you're ignorant to what's, what's really going on. So when you realize that there's other experiences that don't correlate with your experience and thus the greater true experience for people or the average experience might not be yours and you are now in the minority, you are no longer allowed to be ignorant and thus you are no longer allowed to be blissful 
because you now understand that, oh, my ignorance is going to be tested here. And so you're right. When you're seeing these people who for so long have lived in ignorance, they are now no longer blissful by, by any means. They are out there Bro. rabidly fighting um, to basically preserve this false identity that they're clinging to. And I, I mean false in the sense that if I was told that I was actually living in the Truman Show, <laughs> okay. Here, <laughs> right. Oh, here's my movie minute. Okay. So if okay. you've seen the Truman right. Show, right, the whole, the whole premise is set up around one man who's basically living in this bubble much like the NBA, and it's working, uh, living in this bubble, and all the people <laughs> around him are actors, okay? So let's think about this. If you're Truman, you're watching that movie, and all you're thinking is you're rooting for him to find out the truth so that now he has actual free will to go and forge the life that he would want versus mm. whatever this narrative forced upon him is forcing him to live. Okay, you're rooting for that to happen. Yet when we are Truman in this story, we're fighting tooth and nail when evidence is presented to us that we might be living within an experience that might not be actually bound in truth. Huh? How you like that for a movie minute? Yeah. I don't know if that was a movie minute, if that was a message, the doors yeah. of the church are open. Is there one today? <laughs> I was told by a good friend of mine that if I uh, ever did do uh, any type of preaching, that it would be it would be good because I look at the world a little differently. And, of course, people would love the movie references. So there's a little, little hint of that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good inductive expository. Yeah. Now you just got to tie in bad boys for life. Amen. Uh, Amen. I've been Amen. so gentle to you about that movie, and I will continue yeah. to be gentle. Look, I mean, again, cult classic. Thank you. Uh, but no, I, <laughs> it's I, I not it's even a on. year old, and it made millions and millions of dollars. It can't be a cult classic. Believe it or not, it still can be. This is where I am a one on the angry gram scale. Is that what it was? <laughs> Enneagram. <fool. laughs> <laughs> this episode of eye to eye is brought to you by janique locks if you're looking to get started there's no better place she specializes in all kinds dreadlocks micro locks sister locks lock extensions instant locks interlocking and more if you're in the 757 please don't hesitate to contact her you can find her on instagram at janique locks that's g-e-n-i-q-u-e L-O-C-S, Janique Locks, or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. Uh, what the heck were we talking about? Yeah, no, um, yeah, I do, I, I don't know. I, I, I think about all of this and how the one thing that, needs to happen still isn't happening at least amongst most folks um but it, it it happens heavily in social media spheres um the conversation you know the art of the conversation and mm -hmm. it's the one thing that lets me know that the art of the conversation is is lost and that a lot of people don't really know how to have it and i know you 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 will agree with me on this because we have both had our share of conversations with folk that we we love <laughs> or at least you know respect right um 
I mean, I love all, but if we're if we're having a, the agape conversation, that's one thing. Uh, but the filios, right? Uh, that good old brotherly love, you know, that's <laughs> something that takes time. It takes effort. People, we we are actually invested in somehow. Mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm I'm reading Darius's book on relational intelligence right now, so I, I have a lot more peace and can and sleep very very well at night mm. calling somebody an associate and and not a, a real close friend. Um, get the book if you haven't. <laughs> okay. And prayerfully one day we'll interview that man. He's untouchable right now, but whatever. No kidding. Uh, I do. I think that that is probably the biggest issue that we have. And I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm studying a bunch of stuff right now and I'm, I'm reading probably way too many books for my own good. You know, I think that even above conversation, we, we need to have the relationship conversation uh, itself. And it's funny because I know we were just having a, a, a brief chat before we started this and we were talking about a, a sermon and a couple of other things. And I think that it will probably do us some good for about two seconds to address um, a trunk issue. If, if I'm being clear here, folks, um, you know, we've been dealing with fruit issues for, for quite, quite a few months now uh, concerning anything from systemic racism to to people having issues with partisan politics and 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 masks and how some and how those <laughs> things somehow get commingled and conflated together, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. not sorry, really, but whatever. Um, you know, we 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 can have those conversations all day, but eventually you need to get down to the root issue, and nobody is really ready to have that conversation, myself included. Yeah. We, we we can just we can just go there. Um, we can have a branch conversation. And I don't even really feel like giving uh, the illustration right now. I don't think we have the time for it. But I think that we do need to have a trunk conversation. And the trunk conversation is wrapped all the way around this whole relationship piece um, and this doing life together piece, uh, you know. And I just wanted to give an encouragement um, because I see that some people are legit trying to talk to people and they're trying to talk to people from their sphere. Uh, they are having tough conversations. They are at least asking questions. Uh, they're going through their frustrations. But that's like two people I know. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a minority. There are people doing it, and I'm proud of them. Uh, I do it sometimes, and there's sometimes where I really screw it up. Uh, I screwed it up in the last week uh, <laughs> just because, you know, my frustration hey. got the better of me. Um you know, mm-hmm. live, learn, apologize, and hopefully I do better next time. But yeah. I mean, you know, it just, it's about making that effort though, you know, and I appreciate the folks who really have made that effort, but this is, this is an encouragement I want to give, and, and maybe it'll sound like a two second message, but that will be what it is. There you go. How about that? So I am reminded, and I know we've probably talked about this um, just a little bit previously, but I just wanted to go in a little bit more depth um, and of looking at, you know, the 12, the 12 disciples. And eventually the the eleven disciples, whatever you want to do here. Um, and I was talking to my sister and my wife about it the other night, and it just kind of it hit me, like it hit me in a flash. The disciples, the people that we look up to, the people that were responsible for doing all this stuff and having a life with Jesus and and all these things and birthing the church and you know whatever the case may be, yo, they hated each other. <laughs> they did. Like, listen to me clearly. They did not get along. Um, and 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 here here's your breakdown. You know, we we talked about it before. Everybody most likely probably hated Matthew. He's a tax collector. Yeah. Remember what they talk about concerning <laughs> tax collectors in the Bible. 
Yeah. Like, in all honesty, do you think that they just said, oh, hey, hey, Matthew, welcome. Come on in, friend. No, they did not. <laughs> There's no way. We know everybody hated John except for John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. John, ooh, John loved him some John. Boy. Oh, man, did he ever. You know, and then, you know, Jesus loved him, too. He's the disciple yeah. that Jesus loved. Although, of course, uh, certain people that we know try to break that down and say that John was not that disciple, that Lazarus was, but we don't need to have that conversation today. John would debate it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that's why I didn't make it to the pages, right? Yeah. Uh, our Bible is just so filled with so much fun and, and information, but whatever. Uh, you know, you got you got Peter, you got his brother. Um, I guarantee you they couldn't stand Matthew. Like, I'm sorry, because Matthew is the one you're going to take pot shots at in this whole thing, and it's it's his own fault. Yeah, But yeah, so we, we got, like I said, Peter and his brother who were businessmen, which means, guess what? They paid taxes. Guess who they probably paid those taxes to? <laughs> and guess who was probably raking them over the coals? Yeah. Uh, so we're having that conversation. Then there's the fact that Matthew was most likely somewhat pharisaic in nature and tied to the wrong people in business and government, which means that somebody like Simon the Zealot, who was a zealot, which is why they called him Simon the Zealot, <laughs> probably hated this cat. Like if they'd have seen each other in the streets on a regular day, it would not go well for Matthew. I, I, <laughs> I can pretty much guarantee you that, you know, I mean, I can, we can, we can, we can break all these suckers down all day, but we don't, we don't have time for all that. But, but the bottom line is this, the, the reason why this was able to happen, the reason why all of them were able to continuously do life, break bread, walk with, do ministry with each other on a daily basis was because they all did it in conjunction with Jesus. Right. You know, and and this is, you know, I, I think I talked about that on my little Matthew 18 etiquette joint, uh, the bonus episode. But this is the part that I think I got a little bit of revelation on, and I'm still doing some studying, but I am pretty much 89.6% convinced. So I'll just go ahead and say it now, because once I hit about 85%, we, we good to go. We will talk about the, the last commandment that Jesus gave which is, of course, was go forth and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and love, behold, I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. Uh, and then, of course, the, the other last piece that he gave, in addition to the command in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, which is, I will give you this gift, the Holy Spirit. You will have the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Um, that's the only reason that you get the power of the Holy Spirit is to witness. Um, you know, pretty, really, really basic stuff. And then, of course, uh, again, we're talking about Luke and Acts. So he's talking about how it happens in Judea and Samaria and all this other stuff to the ends of the earth. Well, you know, that's a totally different conversation in itself that we don't have time for. Um, but this is the breakdown in all of that. Jesus, of course, had his one mission. He came and he completed it. And it was a big part of the gospel. And I'm still glad to this day that he did it because if not, chances are you, me, none of us, we don't breathe anymore. Period. The end. Um, pretty much just dead in our sins. But if we're looking at this from a character perspective, I'm convinced of this one thing as of right now. I think that Jesus, after he was, you know, resurrected from the dead, he spent his 40 days here on earth as a test. We all know what 40 days is a representation of, right? So trials, testing, all that good stuff. You see it so many times in the Bible; it's freaking ridiculous. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then finally, you know, he 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 ascends into heaven. This is what I think that test was. I don't think it was, you know, because a lot of folks don't really pay attention to it like this. But this is what I think that test was. I think the test was to make sure that before he ascended, the people 
who are supposed to be birthing and moving and building the church weren't going to kill each other after he left. <laughs> he had to give them a chance. It, it's kind of like, you know, the first time you leave your kids home alone together when they're like 13 and 11, yet, yeah. yet you, you kind of park the car around the block and, and sneak back over to make sure they didn't start a fire. <laughs> I feel so bad for time, Bri, in the future. <laughs> but for now. But I'm, I'm, I'm serious, though. This is, I, I'm convinced thoroughly that if Jesus didn't think that they were ready yet, he was going to park his tail. He would still have been there however many number of days, weeks, months, years until it was actually time for him to go again. And I, I made that in my heart of hearts, which means that when we are dealing with the heart issues that we're dealing with as we're trying to have these conversations, we have to remember that this ain't nothing new. And that Jesus was around when people were doing the same stuff that we're doing today, being just as divisive, being just as venomous, having just as much vitriol, all of this nonsense that we deal with and address today that people don't want to look at as what it actually is, which is just people being petty and not dying to self and not looking to actually build relationships. And not saying, hey, maybe there's a chance that I could be wrong. Let me have a conversation with this person. No, 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 no. We don't want to do that. We instead just want to stay in our, let's go back to those words again. We want to stay in our echo chambers. We want to stay in, in the comfort of our little car castles. No one that could tip over at any moment, but because we have such a certainty in them at the moment, we just go ahead with that. Um, and we want to stay on the other side of a conversation that doesn't need division but we offer division because if we don't, we don't feel safe enough. And, you know, half the reason why we don't feel safe enough is because we don't know the word of God say, to, 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 to know exactly what is safe. Let's just, let's just have that conversation. So, you know, I don't know, I'm rambling, but I really, really do feel like um, we are in a season where we're kind of revisiting that, that whole thing. I mean, obviously Jesus isn't on earth anymore, of course. No, but we're in a situation now where um, if we're really trying to have this revival that I was talking about 80 million years ago, um, and we're looking to continue to build or in some cases rebuild the church and do it correctly because the church that was built in the United States of America was a racist, uh, a classist church. Even, you know, we don't even have to look at, at, at racism itself. We could talk about classes. We could talk about when the Quakers first came here, the richer Quakers got the seats up front. <laughs> the poor Quakers got seats in the back. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 we, 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 could, we could do this all day, man. <laughs> Wait, you think that's only true of the Quakers? <laughs> no, no. I know. I'm okay. just saying, I'm okay. just giving one example. Okay. Just let me give my, my one dot gone example, man. <laughs> but seriously, that's what I'm saying. Like, that is the church that we know. And that that's even part of the church in the Bible. You know, and, and what, do, what do you do with this? Well, obviously, you need to do one thing. You need to learn how to reconcile the processes. Because if you don't reconcile the processes, what do they say about history? Those who don't learn from it, doomed to repeat it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just that that's, that's exactly what we're looking at. And I'll tell you right now, I, for one, as a believer in Jesus Christ and also a believer in restorative justice and everything that includes racial conciliation and everything else, I'm not trying to repeat this process. Mm -hmm. I'm not either. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you, the you, end. you brought up the... Uh, an issue of, of the trunk. And, you know, I don't know if this is a real thing or if it's just a myth, but I've been told that pine trees, their root systems 
work together. So if they're grouped, mm-hmm. uh, they grow, you know, somewhat deep, but they also grow wide and then they kind of entangle with other pines near them. And that's why they tend to do better. Like we just had a hurricane come through here, right? <laughs> they tend to do better in those types of winds because not only do they, you know, they don't have trees and they don't quite grow out as much, um, but they kind of commingle their root system and that helps them to stay more solid and, and less chance of being blown over. And you kind of think about uh, the disciples that way. Like they each had their own need for water, their own need for sunlight. But at the day, that root system, even though they were different, kept them kind of united. And, you know, that's just the way that the church needs to start thinking about things. And it's important as we build these relationships and have these conversations, even with people who don't think like us, as long as our root system can start to kind of, you know, grow together, we're only going to be that much stronger. And, uh, you know, I think that's just something that we don't think about sometimes. I think we think about trying to sway someone or convince someone as opposed to simply find some, some common ground and some, you know, equal amount of respect with people. Yeah. You got to be able to start somewhere. Um, yeah, I love I love trees in the Bible already anyway. And it's specifically, um, you know, everybody talks about the cedar of Lebanon. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's cool. Cedars of Lebanon, they're, they're great. They really are. Um, I think about the terebinth tree. Uh, I feel like we're just having a nice little academic conversation. Sorry for all y'all who are looking for the pettiness in here. <laughs> Suddenly we're a bunch of, we're a bunch of arborists. <laughs> um, I mean, there's some, there's some information in this. Come on uh-huh. now. Come on, guy. Um but yeah, no, the terebinth, uh, what is it? Isaiah 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse one, um, talks about the, the stump that was actually supposed to be a terebinth tree. It's talk- the stump of Jesse, or in some cases, it's just the stump of David. And pretty much it's uh, another uh, prophetic proclamation of the coming of Jesus uh, 400 years prior, maybe even more than that. Take note, people who keep saying that the Bible is whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I love it because, uh, I did some studying on the terebinth tree and it's, 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 it's kind of similar, um, in structure. It's a very, very large tree, even though it looks like a cluster of trees, uh, but the roots, um, they go about 97 feet in diameter. Jeez. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I love it because, you know, in, in sandstorms, in some cases, um, where, where some of the trees were, they would endure stuff like that. They would, they would encounter things, or even if they were burned down, if they were burned down to the stump, um, almost immediately you would see a sprout. And that was actually what it made reference to, uh, specifically in, in, in Isaiah 11, chapter uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Why can I say chapter 11, verse 1? Neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, you know, I just, I think that uh, I bring that up specifically because it, it, it reminds me of the hope that I have for... Uh, America's situation. Do we just want to call it that? Uh, the situationship that it is. Um, <laughs> we we got a lot of things happening. And, you know, I, I, I again, you know, and I, I even uh, spoke to this tonight. I posted on Facebook because so many people, um, you know, we're talking about uh, Kamala being the running mate now and, and they started freaking out and yeah on both on both sides everybody has something to say and you know when it comes down to it um i am by all means political i am not partisan there's a difference uh but it was just nerve-wracking to see 
Uh, and I just, you know, the, the level of anxiety that a lot of Christians specifically that I saw had over the situation on either side. Uh, and it just, you know, it just, it, it makes me speak to the understanding of why are we so concerned of whoever's going to be in office when we know who's already on the throne. Yep. You know, I just, I, I don't really, I don't get it. It doesn't compute. It doesn't tab with me. And I'm not trying to say I'm greater than thou by no means. I'll say a cuss word right now if I need to for some <laughs> y'all just for the shock value. Well, and, and why are we concerned when all I've been hearing the last three plus years is that, uh, you know, God ordains who the president is. So if that's yeah. true, it doesn't matter what party they are. I guess God ordains whoever it is, right? Yeah, no, I got a point to whoever it is. <laughs> yeah. That's, and again, that's also something that's not just national. That's very much global as well. Any leader that's appointed right now across the world is most likely appointed by God, no matter what the situation was to put them in power. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if if you're going to say that about one and, and you're trying to really deal with the Bible and all of its authenticity, then you got to say it about them all. Right. And that's a tough pill for some folks to swallow. Yeah. It's really, really a tough pill to swallow. But if you really have peace in what the word of God says, if we're, if we're dealing with this, and I told him, I was like, y'all just need to sit up here and meditate on Psalm 118 and 8, which says it is better to trust in God than it is to trust in man. You know, it's a very small statement, but it's got massive implications. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I believe in my heart of hearts that if you have that, then you probably have a peace about any and all of these situations. And not just that, you have a power in the, that peace too, because that means that hopefully you're spending enough time with God to recognize that the, the gloomiest looking situation is most likely going to be okay because you read the Bible, you saw that the person who was the savior of the world died and died a gruesome criminal's death on top of that. Yeah. It wasn't a pleasant way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Not a huge, not a huge fan of that. Yeah. In, in fact, if it was caught on tape, you, you probably would have had some sort of uprising for Roman brutality. Yeah. Yeah. Most mm -hmm. likely. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. At, at the end of the day, what what I what I really understand is going all the way back to what started this. <laughs> if, if Christians are making death threats to to people for making what could really be considered basic statements of information, um, then we have done a disservice somewhere. <laughs> and that thing needs to be corrected yeah. and it needs to be corrected fast because if it can produce a conversation like this, um, then what it's ultimately telling me is that I'm not trying to point no fingers. I'm not trying to place no blame. Um, I'll just say corporately, uh, American Christianity has dropped the ball uh, and we need to probably take the time to root out exactly what it was that put us in this position in the first place. Now, I'm pretty sure that that's a conversation that it's going to take decades, but it doesn't change the fact that it still needs to happen. And I'm, I'm a, you know, we'll probably talk about that somewhere down the road too. talk about that. Uh, what was it? The article on white lash and stuff like that. We, we will probably need to address that most likely during uh, election season when, when election season is really, really official. Yeah. There's um, a, there's a lot of things that we tend to table. I mean, we've been teasing Hamilton for a good month now, bro. I'm um, sorry, man, but that's okay. That's fine. And I don't want to do it without, justice i mean we were both equally excited to have that conversation so this is true. um so we, we certainly wouldn't move forward on that but i do want to tie this nicely together 
with oh with uh, the white folk wonder of the week. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, you know, I was thinking about this. I remember uh, people telling me multiple times uh, before Trump got elected that uh, they were super encouraged because uh, he became a, a believer, apparently. Okay. So I'm, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying he is, I'm not saying he isn't. Okay. Um, there's plenty of verses I can use that might justify how I feel, but I won't go into that. Bro. This is white folks wonder. Um, so the fact is, is that they, they were very excited uh, because they felt like if this guy does win the election, we will have a Christian in the white house and we will have uh, Pence uh, who is also a Christian in the white house. And this is, this is great news, completely kind of ignoring his track record. So basically he, he was saved. And so clean slate, no big deal. Then when Kanye came out and was radically saved, and I believe he was because there's pastors who talk about it. He released uh, a gospel album that was pretty theologically sound even. Um, so I, there's plenty of fruit on that tree to prove that he really, really was. And yet the amount of skepticism <laughs> and the amount of bringing up his past and saying, well, I'll believe it when I see it, or this is just a thing to sell records or what it, like there was some sort of, like the other person wouldn't have done it for votes, but Kanye will do it to sell records. Like, <laughs> so I, I have to wonder because it, it has come out that there is some issues with Kanye trying to run for president. Uh, and that he colluded potentially with Trump or something like that to basically try to uh, steal away some of the black votes from Biden. As a white person, are there any same black people that would have actually voted for Kanye <laughs> over Biden if his name was on the ticket? <sighs> it's like, is this really worthy? of a white folk wonder moment i guess so yeah oh, it absolutely because listen you are not the arbiter on what is worthy of a white folk wonder moment i am the white folk here yeah okay? i know i know i know i know i know <laughs> god it just makes me wonder what kind of questions white folk be wondering and why they wonder lots of them trust me there's a lot i you know i wouldn't be surprised at that um oh boy hey okay. we're, listen we're gonna turn the tables and whenever you have a black folk wonder, I am more than happy to to answer. Yeah. So first of all, we got to rename that. It can't just be black folk wonder. Okay. It also can't be black folk blunder because <laughs> it can be know. anyone who's not white wonder. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's like, fair. Like, hey, we can't say colors either. That would be perfect. Like, color oh, to be curious. Yeah, that's a great no. idea. <laughs> it's not going to go well. Uh, and and again, you don't you don't speak for. For all black no, people, don't. we get that. No, I but don't. are there people in your world that you know that would would vote for Kanye over Biden? I mean, to be honest with you, I I really hate to say it, but I feel like some would. Okay. Yes. Do you I'll think it would the, have been enough to actually cause a change in the election? That's the good question, and my hope is um, that Kanye would not impact it on either side. If, if if we're having a real conversation, mm -hmm. um, I don't think that Kanye should be in the election at all. Well, and I don't think he really is. I think he's pretty much dropped out at this point. But yeah, for for a variety of reasons, um, and regardless of whether or not uh, the words you speak are conspiracy theory or law, um, 
I do know this much. I know the man needs help. And, uh, you know, if, if we're really having a conversation about whether or not someone, um, and you know, for what it's worth, we, we got to talk about the one who's already in office because that's the setup that's being given here. If, if Trump legitimately has some type of collusion practice happening, um, where we're, we're dealing with Kanye coming in for the sake of getting those votes and hopefully diminishing the amount that, that Biden gets, because mm-hmm. that, I mean, it's, it's, you're right. It's been a real conversation. There's, there's no denying that. Well, and it's, um, it's really the only thing that makes sense because we know that Kanye supports Trump. So, well, he said he no longer supports Trump. He oh, said he did? that a little while back. Yeah. Oh. He said he, he said that. Yeah. But he also said, you all know who I'm voting for, which <laughs> I mean, well, if that's true, then we would think you're voting for the guy that you've been supporting the last three years. Yeah. So he also said that, uh, Harriet Tubman sent. Well, I mean, who the heck knows where Kanye is really going? But I mean, in in reality, at least uh, the logical line, which I realize is difficult to do with Kanye, (laughs) but the logical line would be, I think that's why it's so difficult for me to answer the question. Right, right. Well, okay. So let's uh, let's let's do the old hypothetical game, which I really don't like. Hypothetically, and I'm it's not even hypothetically because the fact is, is Kanye has supported Trump. I haven't heard anything of the opposite or at least I haven't heard it enough to believe it, which means that if he did decide to run for president, do you think he would have done that to hurt Trump? Like, no, that doesn't sound likely. So that means he would have done it then to take votes away from Biden, therefore helping Trump if Kanye didn't somehow win the popular vote or, or, well, the electoral vote. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So even if he didn't directly collude with Trump and I don't know how much they talk, (laughs) but it feels like that would have been a potential motivator. Um, you know, are there people in your life that would have voted for him? Nah, I'm sorry. I'm I'm glad to say the the people in my world have wisdom. Okay. Um, and you know, I mean, for what it's worth, there might be a, a, a random dark horse that comes out of nowhere and surprises me. Right. Um, I've never put that past anybody, but the the people in my world that I am closest to, um, they would not punch a ticket for K West in November. Well, no. and I, I think there's also, you know, part of that would be, are there people who would do it simply because they're fed up with the two options that were being given every four years? So you really want to start this? And, you want to start this process? Well, this I'm, what, I'm just right I'm now. just saying, like, there could be people who, I mean, listen, I I voted third party in the last election because there were just too many glaring issues with both candidates. Um, so I simply voted third party in this case, Kanye would possibly be that third party. And, uh, shoot, if he was on the ballot four years ago, I might've well just thrown my vote after him too, because my vote didn't matter if I wasn't going to vote for those other two. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of how I looked at it. So there might be people who are doing it in a, a sense of, of jest or something, but, uh, you know, it, I don't know if there would have been a real impactful change had he been successful in getting his candidacy or his name on, on multiple ballots. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you on that. I, I feel like justice right now (laughs) when she's talking about LeBron. (laughs) I I just don't like him. No. Um, I, I mean, I really do. I I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like he, somewhere in his heart of hearts, he, he legitimately, because you know, this is what I will say. 
I think I would probably feel some kind of different about the whole thing if he hadn't said that, what was it, two years ago he said he was going to run? How long um, ago was that? Well, no, I mean, he basically just did it via Twitter like three months ago or two months ago. No, 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 no. Remember, he, he said quite some time ago. Well, he, I think he said that, you know, yeah, he said it in kind of a off the cuff and then the person interviewing kind of laughed and he didn't laugh. And But I don't know if it was a I'm running this time or I will, you know, I would consider running in the future type thing. Um, I mean, that's that's so, fine, but yeah. you, you got to remember that that legit had to be a minimum like maybe two years ago, though. Oh, yeah. No, it was he, he it, said wasn't, something in 2020 it wasn't that long and, ago, I don't believe. Um, it just seems weird that he would choose to do it when he was openly supportive of the the current sitting president. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I know that you'll be the community fact checker. So you you feel free to do that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really feel like uh, that's probably the thing that brings me here because I'm just like, yeah, it, it sounds like it was a shot in the dark. But I really, you know, I, outside of the conspiracy that somebody said that Kanye is secretly uh, JFK Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that one. That, that, made my, that made my whole world. That man. requires faith much larger than a mustard seed. I'd just like to point out. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> uh, but you know i don't know man i just uh, as much as i would love to answer a question like that and say that i feel like uh, that after south carolina i i can't bring myself to to say that anybody will vote for him but you know just again i could be surprised i could be fooled. <laughs> never know yeah um yeah so I, i'm sorry because i know that that very much takes away from the crescendo of what white folks wonder was supposed to be but no that's okay i mean like i've said before that these are some of these questions are are tongue in cheek in a, in a way that you know I I come about them where some people might True. genuinely be wondering, wow, do you really think eight million black people would have voted for Kanye? And <laughs> where where I realize that that's not true, um, but it's still an interesting conversation to have, and you know we'll we'll find little ways to <laughs> make it more interesting, and I think we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we 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 will. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll have to revisit this. Maybe something else crazy will happen. Uh, but in the meantime, in between time, uh, my hope is no. <laughs> my, my hope is hell no. <laughs> okay. I, I have heard of, uh, the potential for the rock running one day, which, um, yo, I've heard of that too. Yeah. Yeah. And as of right now that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of not against it. No, I mean, but at the same time, though, I think that <laughs> the the nation's national everything would be tequila, and you know, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, every, um, every everyone would be getting sent uh, instead of stimulus packages, they'd be getting sent protein shakes. <laughs> you know, we would have the fittest nation in the world if he did become president. Maybe I don't know. The Obamas tried to kind of help with fitness, and that didn't go over well. So I it's mean, hard they to did say. school lunches and and fitness. This is a totally different ball game. This is Jim Fail Nation and fitness. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is true. This is it's true. Yeah, this this is this is ballers and it fitness. Would, it, is, uh, it'd be the first president who's clanging and banging. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Exactly. Uh -huh. Boy, our, our state of the unions would always be on Instagram Live. He'd just um, have that one eyebrow raised the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who doesn't stand and clap when they're still seated, he'd just give them the people's eyebrow or whatever. <laughs> this is so good. This is so good. It would be entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Well, we we can continue to fantasize on that, but I think it's time to bring the sucker to a close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I'm thinking about it right now. Like, I, I can't even finish the show. I know. I see you looking up into the sky. I'm I'm just uh, thinking what it would be like. Are we really like. thinking of this? Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? Who would have thought that that Arnold... Listen, there are two governors that came from the movie Predator, okay? <laughs> it is not that True. far-fetched to think that The Rock could potentially run. I mean, it's just not. Um, Actually, we, rocks can't run, but I see, what you're, I see what you're saying, though. Also, to note, though, you're missing the best part about this. You're looking at one aspect of it in Hollywood. I'm still on the wrestling track. You forget Jesse the Body Ventura. No, that's who no, that, that's well. who I said. He was the he was the second governor. It was oh, Arnold no, and Jesse. Not, he was in he was in a he was in a he was Terminator? In, no Predator. Predator. Oh a Predator. Yeah. Wait, Arnold wasn't in a was Arnold in a Predator? Oh my goodness. Wow. You're you're really gonna IMDB me of all people. No, I'm not. I just I just <laughs> yeah, I never they were watched both Predator like that. They were I both just, in uh, they were both in Predator and uh both became governors. So just think about the long shot that would have been. If someone's like, I'll give you one billion uh to one odds that two people from this movie will become governors, you'd be like, Okay, here's a dollar. <laughs> and then then you would have been cashing it in. So Wow. I know. It's wild. So that's impressive. It is. <laughs> It's it's pretty crazy, and one got, of them was nothing. one of them was pretty. I mean, Arnold is I, you know, granted he has a few weird things that went on, um, but man, if that guy does, isn't an inspiring soul, like if you read some of the stuff that he, you know, just some of his speeches and and some of the even like replies that he does to people uh, on Facebook and different things when people are critical, uh, he seems like the type of guy that maybe we kind of need because he is a Republican, um, but he's he's not partisan at all. Like he, he has, you know, kind of both sides of the aisle that he's willing to work on. And, uh, I know that I was living in California when he was governor and he wasn't so bad. <laughs> so yeah. again, except for that one thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. yeah. Well, you know Which, what? Hey, would we, we just get finished talking about redemption and restoration? That's right. Know? Praise I mean, Jesus. We, <laughs> we got to be thorough, you know, we got to remember. And then, uh, just, you know, there were a couple of jokes that we didn't get a chance to get in here. Um, one thing I know is I will not do a petty eddy on uh, Liberty University's chancellor. We're going to leave that oh, alone. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I'll leave I that mean, alone. We'll, we'll pray for that more than anything. Yeah, we don't want to uh, make a joke there and get caught with our pants down. But they weren't down. Never mind. I was, um, I was just using an old cliche. I don't even know what you're referring to. Oh, wow. That's... <laughs> That's that's interesting. Yeah, uh, we are we are overdoing it here. But I was just gonna say too, we just gotta pray for Spanish flus and, and World War Twos. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I digress on that one as well. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's getting late and it's very apparent. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for tuning in to the latest episode. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, all those other things you can do. Um. And also for the algorithms, leave us some love, some written love on that Apple thing because they act like a bunch of jerks. Um, and of course, please don't forget to be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. Uh, so until next week, I am Jordan. I am Devin. And uh, wash your hands. Wear your mask. <laughs> and just... And, and and don't suspend kids to take pictures because 13 million kids take pictures in high school on a daily basis. Leave the children alone. Uh, whatever. I don't, I don't know. I got, I got nothing. I'm, I'm ready to go night-night. <laughs>
six weeks in a row. <laughs> ah, boy. Yeah, we love y'all. Thank y'all for everything. Be safe. We'll catch you next week. Peace. Inspired One Enterprises. Engineering by Devin Chandler. Editing and production, Jordan Brown. Marketing and media, Justice Swangle. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode. Please don't forget to follow us on FB, Inspired One Enterprises. On Insta at I underscore the number two underscore I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave five stars and a generous review because you love us and want us to be successful as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does.